This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? We're going to do this podcast. My name is Salman Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. Here joined by Taylor Tate at Taylor L. Tate on Twitter. How you doing, man? I am doing pretty well. How about you guys? Doing all right. Also joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Pretty good. So uh, we finally got an update on, on Chris Paul's injury. Mike D'Antoni came out a couple days ago and said, that he's he'll be back with the next couple of weeks. That that's what he expects. Although he has no new information on it, um, we've seen some videos of Chris Paul shooting around. I would I would classify this as a tentatively positive update. Like the fact that Mike D'Antoni doesn't have uh, new information on it is kind of worrisome. But um, I mean, he came back the next day and said, "Yeah, I expect him to be back in two weeks." So I guess that's a little bit reassuring. Uh, it looks like this injury is going to go the full month. He's pro- so it's going to be. By the end of this thing, it's going to be 20 or 21 games or so of Chris Paul not playing with the Rockets. Well, as long as he comes back. Yeah, I mean, the Rockets are always tight lips with, with injuries. And so, and I think they want to err on the, the side of caution with this one, especially with it being Chris Paul. Um, I mean, you know, like Forrest said, as long as he's back before, you know, the important games start. Right. The good thing is the Rockets are winning in the meantime, right? And that's really that's really what you got to do to hold your head above water while he's gone. Uh, but the thing is, you're going to need him back really, really quickly to really figure out your chemistry, your defense, your offense, uh, the Chris Paul, James Harden dynamics. You, you have to figure out all that out right now. Um, and it looked like before the injury that this, this schedule would be a perfect uh, instance to do that, to figure all that stuff out with the new team. But now with him being out, he's probably going to come back during a tougher stre- stretch of the schedule. And yeah, it's, the Rockets might lose a lot of games because of that. And, you know, that's to be expected. Uh, what can you do? The Rockets really got, they were blindsided by this injury. They just didn't see it coming. Uh, it, it started off as a simple bone ruse. He, he tweaked it in the Warriors game. And then suddenly Mark Stein's tweeting that he's going to be out for two to four weeks. Um, so yeah, tentatively positive update. Uh, it's... Um, you'd like to have him back as soon as possible, but I mean, as long as there's a window there where you you can see him coming back, that's a good thing. Yeah, uh, they definitely didn't say it got any worse, and uh, if there's any kind of timetable at all, that's good. There's some sort of expectation being given out there, like you said. Uh, so yeah, hopefully that's that's about where it's at. I mean, it's already, they've already been able to go two weeks without him. Two more weeks in the grand scheme of things is not 
a terrible problem, but hopefully they won't lose all the games in the interim. Right, and uh, that was a worry in the beginning, but it seems like the Rockets have finally started to get some of their mojo back. Uh, The beginning of this week, they lost a really bad game to the Sixers. Um, That was... I think, I, you know, it's still early in the season, but I would qualify that as a, the worst loss of the season uh, because the Sixers are still bad. Um, they're a young and up-and-coming team. Uh, ben Simmons is exciting. Joel Embiid is amazing, but that team is just not good yet. And to lose to lose like that, it's um, I, I'd still say that's pretty inexcusable. Well, even beyond that, they, they essentially lost the other game. Um, I mean, they, they won the last, you know, about... 30 seconds or so, but they essentially lost the other game. They played horribly in that game. Right. And um some of their stuff some of the their defense stuff it's still getting figured out like um like Harden's been a problem for the defense like uh it hasn't really been addressed by like Rockets Twitter, but he's overhelping on the weak side a lot and that's leading to a lot of open jumpers and I I don't know if he's doing that on purpose like like I I I think he's try I think he's trying to to do a good thing by helping out but that's just not his job like that's got to be Nene or Capella like uh for example if there's like a a horn set going on the floor and they get into the paint uh Harden's usually helping out off of his man that just can't happen he has to play on the shooters and that's caused that's caused some chaos with their defense and overall they that was just a really bad loss it was just a really bad loss and the Rockets to their credit they played as well as you could uh the way they shot They've been shooting really badly. I think at towards the beginning of this week, they were at the bottom of the league in three-point shooting. Their percentages have been all out of whack. Trevor Reza has been awful. Uh, and Eric Gordon's just now starting to get his shot back. Uh, James Harden's been pretty good to his credit. But, I mean, all their main guys taking shots that you want taking shots, they, they've just been uh, a disarray, right? Like, they haven't been at their usual peaks. Like, everybody's dropped off. A couple percentage points. I expect that to regress back to the mean, but I mean, um, in the meantime, like it's it's really hurt them in the aggregate of these of these first few games. Yeah, there's definitely been a at best an adjustment period where they try to figure out how to run their game with just two guards. Uh, I'm not super hopeful that it's going to work particularly well against every team. I mean, I think that uh, I I don't really know how terrible that loss against the Sixers was because they're not a bad team either, but. There are going to be a lot of teams that just are going to, they're just going to destroy their offense. Like teams like the Grizzlies, especially, which is bad because they have to play the Grizzlies a couple more times really soon. Uh, you don't want teams that are going to beat up on your guards to meet you while you only have like one and a half point guards. So it's not good. There's going to be a few games where the offense just falls apart. Like as long as their shooting remains awesome, it's going to be no big deal, I think. But their shooting has only been awesome like one game. So we'll yeah, see goes. I mean, and yeah, they have been, you know, pretty one-dimensional offensively. Luckily, James Harden is pretty much the best ISO player of the season thus far. Um, but as poorly as they've they've played there, um, their offensive rating they're they're 12th in the league, and their defensive rating they're 11th in the league. Um, so there's still you know there's still hope, um, and and I think once the the new guys get acclimated um they're still you know uh, Mbamute and Tucker are still hesitant to take those threes for whatever reason they're just going to have to learn to let it fly um and you kind of saw how important Trevor Ariza is in the two games that he was gone um 
you don't really realize it until he is gone, but he makes a very big difference on both sides of the floor. Right. What you pointed out about, about him, about Mute and Tucker being hesitant to shoot the three ball, that's a thing, man. Like, you got to shoot the ball when you when you get it right away, um, especially in this offense where the Rockets like to push the pace. They like to take the the first best available shot. And the, when, you're, when you're not taking those shots, it really, really bogs down the offense. Um, their bench units have been really bad. When Harden sits, uh, the offense has just been abysmal. Uh, and that's pretty much why Chris Paul is here. But Chris Paul is not playing. And that's really hurt the Rockets. Air Gordon's, Air Gordon's fine. But he, he's not good enough to run a second unit in offense the way Chris Paul or James Harden can. Right? Like That's been a big drop off for them whenever Harden uh, hits the bench. Otherwise, Eric Gordon's been awesome. Uh, other than running bench units, he's been really great. Uh, we talked. He's about averaging this. twenty-three points. Twenty-three right. points. That's ridiculous. Yeah, he's currently being amazing at what he was hired to do. He's <laughs> just not amazing at the thing he wasn't hired to do. Right. He. This is what he was asked to do last season. Right at the beginning of the year. And uh, again, he's. He, this is just not what he was meant to do. He was meant to be a shooter, and he was meant to be a penetrator. Uh, he wasn't meant to be a playmaker. Uh, and that's what he's kind of had to do, um, and he hasn't been great at it. His passes to Nene and Capella are just disastrous. Like uh, he'll turn the ball over a couple of times when he try when he tries doing when he tries running pick and roll. And it, um, but but again, this is not what he was hired to do. What as Forrest said, this is like a new task for him. He's he's having to to run point in the interim, um, and yeah, and units where Eric Gordon and James Harden both are on the floor, like they are just. Like beyond trash offensively, it's not even like I think trash would be like kind of a compliment to what they are when Eric Gordon and James Harden aren't on the floor. Um, they just have no semblance of offense when when that happens. And what I've noticed is D'Antoni's running a lot of short lineups, and Kyle wrote about this uh, this week. Uh, the Rockets really need to figure out a way to lengthen their rotation, but I understand the position D'Antoni's in. Like he's having to play guys who aren't NBA-level players, right? Like, Bobby Brown's not an NBA-level player. We're still not sure if Troy Williams is an NBA-level player. Um, he's basically having to run out seven to eight-man rotation, seven to eight-man units in November, and that's just kind of not acceptable. But, I mean, he has no choice, right? Yeah, and part of the reason for that is, you know, the depth that the Rockets do have is at the wing and, and at the, you know, power-forward spot. Um, and so the, the problem with it is, you know, an injury to Chris Paul just completely depletes the, the top of your, your rotation, because then, you know, you're playing three forward lineups, but then that doesn't allow Troy Williams to play. You know, he's not going to get any time, you know, over, uh, Mba Mute, Tucker or Ariza. Um, and behind, you know, James Harden and, and Eric Gordon, there's, you know, there's not much on there on the bench to to put into a game. Yeah, it's uh, it's James and the guards all the time, so uh, it's not great. It's it really does bog down. And uh, I mean, they're doing the best they can, you know. Like uh, Bamute is doing better than he should out there. Uh, he's he's been huge for his contract, but yeah, it's not sustainable. Like we we just have to hope that they can keep it up for a little while longer uh, while Chris Paul comes back. Uh, and it is too bad that they didn't realistically have any way to pick up an NBA-worthy point guard uh, who was willing to be an insurance policy. But they're just, you know, with with uh, with 
Nelson signing with the Pelicans uh, for reasons that make sense. There's this, it wasn't going to happen. Uh, they just picked a very, uh, they, I mean, they, they gave up a lot of their depth so they could get Chris Paul and they have to hope that Chris Paul's healthy during the playoffs, which they have to anyway. So, Right, just gonna power through this. I don't know. Right, and and I made this point a couple of times on Twitter. Like this roster in particular is not meant to survive long term without Chris Paul. Like this roster was constructed with the idea that Chris Paul was going to be there because you gave up a lot of your offensive firepower in that in that uh, Chris Paul trade to get Chris Paul right, and you acquired defensive pieces to fill in the gaps, but. In doing that, you kind of you kind of have this roster really really dependent on the guards, and that that's kind of, that kind of creates this um, this problem when when Chris Paul is out, right? Uh, is that you know you just don't have any way of generating offense, and um, yeah, it's been it's it's been kind of it's been rough it's been rough, but uh, fortunately for the Rockets, they survived these last two games, and that's really what I wanted to get to. The Rockets have been awesome in these last two games against New York and Atlanta. Again, these, these are bottom-of-the-barrel teams here, but beating bottom-of-the-barrel teams in the in the manner that they did is a good thing. That, like, that's what you're yeah, supposed to do. they shredded them. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, and they did that, so credit to them. Well, they're just better. They're just better than the Knicks and the Hawks in a big way. And yeah. So, even being shallow on guard depth, those teams didn't stand a chance. So, yeah, it was good to see them doing what they needed to do. It it's sort of annoying that the, uh, the garbage time lineups would come out and just stink it up and lose half the lead each time, but uh, that's fine. It doesn't really matter in the end. Yeah, um, and going back to where their offensive and defensive ratings currently rank in the league, you know, I think some of the the garbage time has hurt that, and they'd probably be, you know, I mean, they're already close to top ten in both. Um, you know, well, so well, where are you the, getting your data from? Is it from Basketball Reference? Yeah. Okay, so on NBA.com, and I know they they count possessions differently. They are right. they are ninth in the league offensively. So in some aspects, they're kind they're they're right, they're basically like tenth offensively. Right, right. Uh, when, when you adjust for possessions and and how these these different sites account for everything, so they're kind of like tenth or on the outside in both offense and defense. And you're right, like the the fact that these these garbage time lineups they've killed the Rockets, man. Like I in this last game, and I was watching it, they dropped from forty percent from the three point line to thirty four just by <laughs> just by having the garbage time lineup come out. And we know the Rockets chunk up a lot of threes, so to do that, like that's some major damage, man. Like to to throw up that many threes and to miss that many in that short amount of time just tells you how bad these these garbage time units have been. Um, and yeah, I mean that 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 might be a that might be something to watch for at the trade deadline, right? Like, like we didn't really know what weaknesses this team had going into this, but I mean that's probably something to go to look for. Maybe the Rockets go for like a backup point guard. Maybe they go for another shooter. Maybe that's maybe that's what you look for at the trade deadline. Hey, folks, Dave DeFore of On the NBA with Dave DeFore here. I'd like to talk to you about my friends over at Harry's, my go-to razor for a smooth, close, and comfortable shave. Almighty Baller Radio is the go-to network for NBA podcasts. But if you visit harrys.com slash ballers, you'll get a free trial set from Harry's and find out why over 3 million guys have switched to Harry's. Harry's is all about a great shave at a fair price. With top quality blades made in a German factory with over 100 years of blade making experience. You get a close, clean shave every time, 100% guaranteed, and at half the price of the leading five blade razor. So go to harrys.com slash 
BALLERS, B-A-L-L-E-R-S, today, you'll get the free trial kit that has become my personal go-to every morning. A weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. A $13 value, this is all yours for free when you sign up, just by covering the cost of shipping. You're supporting the network here at Almighty Baller, but you're also making a great decision for yourself. The decision to find out how Harry's has fixed shaving for the ordinary guy. Check out that URL, harrys.com slash ballers. One more time, that's harrys.com slash ballers to receive a free trial shave set for just the cost of shipping. Yeah, because uh, they, they do need an insurance point guard, honestly. And it's it does suck that none of the guys on the roster were able to come anywhere close. That's It was sort of surprising me, honestly, to see that none of them could do anything. In one game, Bobby Brown looked like vaguely acceptable. And that was the closest they came to having an actual insurance point guard. Uh, Demetrius Jackson is clearly needing to play an entire season in, in uh, on the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. Uh, Isaiah Kanan has not been an NBA player, honestly, for a while, like for at least a year or so. Uh, there's, yeah, it's just, they don't have anyone out there. Uh, it shouldn't be hard to find someone, though. I mean, guys like Aaron Brooks have done this kind of role for a long time. You don't need anything special. You just need a player who's not going to turn the ball over too often and is able to actually uh, run a given offense right like 38 year old jason terry would be perfect to have in this uh, this rotation right now like you just need someone who could shoot threes and not turn the ball over basically um like a pablo prigioni type right like that's all you really need and the rockets haven't been able to find that i mean just i mean just look at the names you listed isaiah cannon bobby brown demetrius jackson i mean in some aspects imba mute's been better at running backup point guard than uh some of the these guys that the rockets have brought in um and you know I have no sympathy for... I mean, I have a, a bunch of sympathy for D'Antoni trying to figure this stuff out on the fly without his second-best player in the lineup. I mean, it's been... It's it's been tough. I And this... And the Rockets uh, are kind of in a tough position because all these free agent point guards have been signed by now. And what you're looking at right now are fringe NBA-level players that aren't on hear me out. rosters. Hear, hear me out here. Steve Nash. <laughs> <laughs> the return. Three uh, Hall of Fame point guards on one team. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it'd be it'd be it'd be pretty cool when he's like sitting on the bench, laying on his back, and cheering on the team. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that'd be nice. But uh, yeah, I love Steve Nash. I'm all in on this idea, despite the fact that uh, we all know the issues. We with can give him a, three minutes a game. Yeah, three, if we're lucky. <laughs> But, uh, oh, to, to be real, though, I do think that once Chris Paul comes back, obviously their offense is going to pick up significantly. Right. And there's also a decent chance the defense will pick up as well. Uh, so th- there's hope that they can be better than just top 10 in both of those categories. Uh, yeah, should... go ahead. No, it should, it should be good. Uh, it, we'll see what this team actually is, and it might be really fantastic. Right, and the fact that the Rockets have been able to, been able to survive this far is, I think, it's impressive. Um, sh- should we talk about James Harden and his MVP candidacy? Like, I, I don't want to get into it, but I feel like I wrote this on the rundown and I deleted it really quick. Then I wrote it back. Then I deleted. Like, I'm not. I, I don't like talking about this, but I mean, 
I feel like he should at least be in the conversation by now, right? Like he's without a second best player. He's averaging 28, uh, 11, and like four boards on 57% true shooting. And he's been fantastic. Like he's the only reason the Rockets are able to stay afloat right now without Chris Paul. Uh, and the Rockets are really good right now. I mean, like, like, I, do we, should we discuss it or is that, has that ship sailed for you guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's probably like top five right now. Um, and you know, he could, he could certainly climb, um, you know, if, if Chris Paul happens to not be, uh, you know, a hundred percent when the schedule gets tougher or, you know, anything like that. And the Rockets are still winning games, uh, and Harden's still putting up numbers. I, I mean, you can't ever really count him out of that. Um, I think, I think the way that things have been viewed this season thus far is teams that have multiple superstars on one team have kind of been ignored when it comes to the MVP discussion. That's why you're seeing guys like, uh, Giannis and Tedekumpo, um, as the front runner, you know, and getting all kinds of attention for that. So I think that it's certainly possible for him to be in the conversation, but I think that the narrative this year is somebody that's not on a super team, quote unquote. Yeah. Okay. So, so l- let me ask you this: like, how low are we setting this bar for MVP? Like, like the Bucks are below five hundred right now. Like, they're they're not a, they're not even like a, a five hundred team right now. And last year, Russell Westbrook won forty seven games. Is this thing, thing going to keep on going down and Wins down? are gone. Like they're gone. That's not a part of the of the consideration anymore. I mean, I don't want to diminish what Giannis is doing over there. He's yeah, fantastic. He, he's an amazing basketball player. But I mean, I mean, what, what we've been told for years and years and years is that you have to be one of the best teams in the NBA to win this award. And like now, I don't know what to think, man. Like, is it just like who's the guy? Like, like who's the story in the NBA that year? Is that is that how it's going to work this year? Yeah, I mean, I think narrative certainly <laughs> plays a huge part. Uh, obviously, we saw what happened last year. Um, you know, triple doubles. Hashtag right. triple doubles. Right. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I just, I just feel like it warranted at least like a throw-in. Like, we do, we had to at least talk about it because he's been fantastic. I mean, his three ball looks really good. Like, he's. He's letting it go with confidence, and he's shooting like 36% from behind the arc, which is better than last year. He was like 34, 35%. And like he's been torching these really, these terrible defenses. They just have no answer for him. And he's doing. He's shooting shooting 37% on almost 11 attempts a game. Right. Or sorry. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Let's see. Per game would be, yeah, almost 11 attempts per game. Right. That's insane. That's insane. He's shooting like that crazy efficiency and he hasn't been able to get to the line the same way he asked uh he's been able to uh, in previous years which has been kind of a thing like uh have you guys noticed this like with Harden like he's been kind of um and I don't I, I don't like to be the guy that complains about officials but I mean like it's it's been noticeable right his drop off in free throw attempts like it's been something to talk about this season like he he's he, this is a guy who averages like 10 10 trips to the line per game for his career and like now he's getting to the line like seven times per game like is this is this something to worry about or you think you think this will this will this will correct itself as the season goes on uh it probably won't be the same i mean i think he's just as good as he's ever been if not better but yeah it does seem like they're officiating him a bit differently um i don't think that it's 
I guess I don't think it's a huge cause for concern because the game does change, and it's. I, I don't think that we'll see like. I don't think that we're going to see in the playoffs, right? Like one team gets to just punch him in the face, and then the other guy, and then the other point guard, if you breathe on him, it's a foul. Like it, it, there's a point at which it, they just have to call things the same way. Uh, I think they're just trying to have a point of emphasis right now. I think it'll kind of even out a bit, but uh, I do think in particular the quote-unquote Harden rule is going to have an effect on his and a lot of other players' games too. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, some other. Some other guys who get a lot of three-point shooting fouls get a few less of them. It does make things a little more difficult, but I, I don't know. It, it doesn't seem like it's going to be the different the difference between uh, if you can you know if you can beat a team in the playoffs or not necessarily. Uh, I think Harden's a smart dude, and I think that he's going to wind up adjusting his game. Um, and then I also think that you know once the the emphasis has been, you know, has made its mark. I think that it'll, it, it won't be quite so heavy, um, you know. So I think it will probably even out, but not quite to what we've seen in the past. Right, um, and I agree with you guys. Like, I, I think Harden's like an amazing player, and he's he's too smart to let this let let him let this bog him down. And maybe the adjustment is he's going to take more threes per game. Maybe that's the adjustment that we just haven't talked about. Maybe it's that. Maybe he's going to try to finish at the rim a little bit more than as opposed to draw fouls. Um, he is finishing at the rim at a pretty high clip. Like he's among the league leaders in finishing at the basket, which is insane because that's usually a big man stat to dominate. And he's up there, like he's like among the league leaders um, in finishing at the rim. Um, and like again, the three point—he's been letting that thing fly, man. Like he's been letting the three point shot fly, uh, particularly at the end of court, at the end of uh, you know, at the end of the shot clock and stuff like that. Um, and it's it's been going into his credit. I mean, we 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 have to give him credit where it's due. Okay, so Clint Capella. Clint Capella is having uh, the career year that we've yeah. been waiting for him to have for a long time. Uh, he's among the league leaders in field goal percentage. Period. Like he's averaging, he's like six. He's like, hold on, let me check. He is sixty nine percent from the field. He's averaging thirteen points per game, nice. almost eleven rebounds per game, um, a block and a half per game, uh, a steal per game, and he's been fantastic, man. Like he's. He's starting to learn the ropes of rim protection a lot better than he, he he has in previous year, which is something we harped on him trying to improve. And it looks like he's doing that, man. And from the free throw line, this is where the real crazy improvement is. He's shooting eighty percent from the free throw line this season. <laughs> like this is on, and this it's been we're like ten games in now too. So this is kind of a thing. This is like we have to talk about this, man. Like he he's attempted like almost twenty five free throws so far this season, and. And, like, John Lucas, uh, I mean, give him credit. The guy has helped Clint Capella improve his free throw shooting so, so dramatically to where you're not even concerned when he gets to the line anymore, man. Like, I, it feels kind of weird to watch Rockets games and have him go to the line and not really have to worry about it. Like, he's almost hitting two free throws, uh, two free throws a trip every other trip, right? Like, it, it feels like he's hitting both of those free throws on every other trip, and it's it's been something you don't even have to worry about, like, the Rockets have no hack, uh, hacking threats on the floor anymore, and it, and if he's really improved to this level, like I doubt it's going to be eighty percent. I expect that to regress a little bit. Like I think he'll probably be like sixty to seventy percent. But when when it's all said and done, but I mean this is a guy that was shooting thirteen percent from the free throw line his rookie year, and now we're talking about eighty percent. That's insane. 
Uh, he even putting in the work. He is putting in the work. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, free throw shooting is something that's fixable, especially when you're willing to just really go after it and uh, get out of your own head, which it really seems like Clint Capella is able to do. He improves every single year. He clearly has uh, a lot of aptitude for learning these things. His, yeah, like I said, his rim defense is honestly more impressive to me than his free throw shooting because free throw shooting is something that that you can master unless you just are preternaturally uh, predisposed to the yips like apparently Dwight Howard is. Uh, I'm very impressed with the free throw shooting, but man, his defense is so much better this season. Uh, Clint Capella is taking that leap that they needed him to take, and it is huge. Well, I'm going to give you guys the trifecta because I'm most impressed with his rebounding. Um, the Rockets right. are currently the number one team in defensive rebound percentage. Number one. They're not giving other teams extra opportunities. Um, <clears throat> and part of that is probably because he hasn't really faced any uh, any crazy good rebounders yet. But at the same time, I mean, this is a guy that when he came into the league was, you know, 200 pounds soaking wet. And, you know, he's put on a ton of muscle. He has learned to box out properly. He's not giving up, you know, rebounds like he was in his first season as a starter. He looks fantastic. Yeah. uh, Let me point this out. Okay, so rookie year in 2014, Clint Capella was a 17% free throw shooter. 2015, he was a 37% uh, free, free throw shooter. Uh, 2016, 53%. 2017, 80%. And for rebounds, uh, rookie year, three rebounds per game. Uh, sophomore year, six rebounds per game. 2016, eight rebounds per game. 2017, damn near 11 boards per game. And you, and you can look at other stats, like his block numbers have gone up. Like This is a guy who's steadily improved year after year. And it's been really big for the Rockets, man. Like, the Rockets have been looking for that starting center for a long time, ever since Dwight left. Like, and, like, he's able to play more minutes uh, than he was last year because the Rockets aren't as heavily relying on today anymore. And that's been pretty big towards his improvement. I mean, we got to give this guy credit. I mean, this is this is, this is is a guy the Rockets drafted, tw- I think, 30th or something. Like he, he, he was drafted towards the end of the first round. And he's been a huge home run for the Rockets. He is exactly the player they need, and he's exactly the player a lot of teams need at center. And he's going to get paid a lot next season, but that's next season's problem to worry about. Uh, he plays defense. He rebounds. He knows how to roll to the rim. He is happy to play within himself. He accepts his role, and he goes at it hard every single night. You don't have to be the most talented player in the world when you play your role correctly and do it exactly what is asked of you, and that's exactly what Clint Capella does. Uh, he's a fantastic fifth starter. You know, he, he fits in exactly what they're trying to do. It is pretty astonishing that, they, like you said, they picked this guy late in the first round, and then uh, in a few years he is a legitimate-looking starter on a team with uh, – with you know assumptions of being a contender, so I'm incredibly impressed with Clint Capella. I think his mental discipline is really impressive. That he is able to keep improving every year, and he just he just does it. No drama, no fuss. Just gets to work. Uh, so we should all applaud Clint. <laughs> I guess is my is my uh, my thesis. This might be a hot take, but um, 
I would go out on a limb and say that the Clippers were the ones wanting Capella and not the Rockets wanting DeAndre Jordan. Ooh, okay, so we should address this first. Okay, so uh, it came out this week that Zach Lowe wrote a column uh, about the Clippers, and in that column he wrote about how the Clippers had tried to trade DeAndre on multiple occasions, and on one of those occasions uh, the Rockets were involved. Like the Rockets were offering up Clint Capella, uh, a a package of other players and draft picks for DeAndre Jordan. And and remember, uh, Daryl Morey's on the record of saying DeAndre Jordan's a guy – that he feels uh, that the Rockets missed on. Like, this is someone he regrets to this day that they missed on. So he values DeAndre Jordan a lot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the the fact that Clint Capella is paying dividends for them, and it almost feels like, like, would you do that deal now if you're the Rockets? Uh, I mean, things have gone fine since then. Right. But, I mean, we're talking about an all-NBA defender here in DeAndre Jordan. I mean, um, personally, I'd probably keep Capella. And I'm not sure if that's yeah. a hot take, but, I mean, Capella's younger. Capella is a better free-throw shooter. Capella is fits this offense beautifully. Like, he's like he'll play pick-and-roll, no fuss. No, like, he, he doesn't demand any post-touches. And, I mean, Click Capella has a great relationship with Chris Paul, which is a big thing because if the Rockets plan to keep Chris Paul long-term – Getting a guy like DeAndre Jordan, I mean, and I'm not saying this trade's even remotely happening anymore. This is just a report. Getting a guy like DeAndre Jordan could mess up a lot of that because, I mean, if as you guys remember, Capella, I mean, not Capella, DeAndre and Chris Paul did not have the greatest of relationship in, in Los Angeles. Yeah, it definitely seems like the more distance they can put between uh, Chris Paul and the rest of the big three on the Clippers, the better. <laughs> For, for Houston, at least. Uh, it does seem, you know, there are some parts of that which were fine. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, it does. My understanding is also that Chris Paul and Deanna Jordan did not get along well. Uh, it would not be worth bringing that back up. Also, you know, they always, they always ask the stars before they make any trades like that anyway. So, at this point, I think there's no way it would even happen. <laughs> it's not worth worrying about. Yeah, I mean... I th- <laughs> I think that it's funny because you if you just compare the two, you know, stat for stat, um, obviously DeAndre is probably a better defender, uh, obviously a better rebounder, um, but what comes with that is his limitations offensively. Um, Capella has actually developed into a pretty damn good passer, um, on that roll, he can hit that corner pocket, you know, for cutters. with some, yeah, he, he is, he's turning into quite the offensive center and his defense, you know, like we mentioned has been brushing up. So I, at this point, um, I'd, you know, I'd probably keep Capella, uh, uh attitudes aside, I'd, I'd, I'd keep Capella. Yeah, and Capella has that soft touch around the rim, which is something uh, I feel like is not discussed enough with Capella. Like he, like he can do a couple post moves, he moves here and there, but even so, like if the Rockets run a pick and roll, and, and Capella's not already to the basket yet, I'm not sure if you guys have noticed this. Like if he has someone on his hip, he'll just do like a, a little lefty hook, and you'll, he'll you'll finish that pick and roll with just a hook shot, right? Like he has those kind of small little like you know kinks to his game that help the Rockets finish plays. Um, and yeah, I would keep him. I mean, and Capella, uh, 
he was 25th in the 2014 draft. Do you want to know who was ahead of him? <laughs> yeah, let's go down the list. Shabazz Napier, Jordan <laughs> Adams, Mitch McGarry, Bruno Capocolo, um, Tyler Ennis. Yeah, he's almost there. <laughs> Capocolo's almost there. He's only one year away from being two years away. <laughs> Tyler Ennis, James Young, Adrian Payne, TJ Warren, Doug McDermott, Noah Vonley, Nick Stauskas, Julius Randle, Dante Exum, and the rest of these players are good, so I'm not going to list them. But I mean, <laughs> but I mean, he, he was drafted ahead of all those players, man. I mean, he was drafted below all those players. All those players were drafted ahead of Capella, and he was drafted 25th by the Rockets. Yeah, great pick. Uh, yeah, Capella and Capella. Uh, yeah, he's he's ha- he's having a hell of a year, and it was worth mentioning. So this this last topic, I really. It's kind of off the bean path, but I mean, it was discussed last night on Twitter, on, on NBA Twitter. Um, I think by Jared Dubin was the first person to bring this up. This OKC and, and Houston Rockets beef, like it's it's this thing goes deep, right? Like this, I feel like the the story is like only if you're in OKC or and only if you're in Houston do you really know how far this goes. Yes, yes, yeah. this has been a simmering. Uh slow burn hatred for a number of years yeah i mean from uh you know the harden trade to the beverly westbrook injury i mean you know it it doesn't the the mvp rivalry it just it there's a lot of aspects to it yeah this thing this thing goes deep like and it's not even like let's just let's just go through it i mean let's go through the timeline so, oh God, Derek Fisher headbutting Luis uh, Scola, right? <laughs> yeah, this thing, this, <laughs> this thing is deep, man. Okay, so James Harden was straight to the Rockets in two, that 2011, no 2012, right? It was 2012. It was like it was like a, the 28th or something of October 2012. Right, right before right before the season started. This is kind of where the OKC's hate comes in, right? The the Rockets. Um, I mean. This is a player they gambled on. They didn't really care how OKC felt about this. But, I mean, OKC, they gave up a significant player in their fan base. They battled the narrative that they gave up this MVP player from the start. Like, they, they, they gave up, like, they had to deal with the crap. They had to deal with going looking on SportsCenter and seeing that Harden dropped 27, 5, and 6 every night. And it irritated the hell out of them. That's where their disdain started, right? Like, that, that, like the fact that you gave up that level of a player to the Houston Rockets, that's where the, the hate started. And then these guys matched up in yeah. the playoffs in the first round. <laughs> man, this this is like when, this is like, it went from 0 to 10 really, really quick. It, it, it Like, just the rivalry that developed in this series. I mean, Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook, I mean, that's really where, where this starts, right? Yeah, uh, well... Maybe I think it. I think it's where it starts before that, though. Like, there's this is some texture I want to give to this story that I think gets missed a lot, which is that uh, once the Rockets acquired James Harden, this rivalry really began because suddenly the Rockets were or had the attitude of, "Oh, we are in. We are getting into the top tiers now." Uh, that the fan base, especially, was touting them as being the next big thing. The Thunder were the next big thing. That was their position when that trade happened. They'd just come off of a finals appearance. They were the next in line to be the heir apparent to uh, previously it was the Lakers, right at the time, right. and then uh, and then and then the, the the Heat was over in the East. 
So they were they were up next, and it didn't quite happen. Uh, but more importantly, the Rockets were trying to get into that tier, and also with picking up Dwight Howard the year afterwards, suddenly the Rockets and their fans uh, were credibly thought they were in the elite of the NBA. This was onerous to the eyes of the Thunder and their fan base. Uh, it was very clear to me that there was an attitude that the Rockets were an upstart and that the Thunder needed to put little brother in his place. That was what it felt like for years to me. As long as Kevin Durant was on the Thunder, uh, the impression I got from Thunder and Thunder fans is that they did not appreciate the Rockets being presumptuous enough to think that they could be in the same tier, that they were an upstart little kid uh, who needed to be put down. So it was it felt like contempt. And I think this contempt is something that both teams feel from each other. And this, this ongoing contempt and like patronizing nature really brings home. And I think it explains a lot of this simmering, seething hatred, both teams and both fan bases cannot afford to admit the other one is any good. Uh, they have to quietly just, uh, uh, hold that. Don't worry; those guys will fall apart and show their true colors soon enough. Uh, it's and that's been going on the entire time. There is still bad, bad blood. This is why uh, a lot of people don't don't get why whenever one team gets mentioned, fans of the other team kind of throw out all these little like pithy, mean little statements. Yeah, it's because it's because of this ongoing uh, like it's, condescension. It's the bitter rivalry that the the outside world doesn't know about right like and i feel like they, they should know because these fan bases hate each other like they hate 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 each other like more than the maybe more than any other fan bases in the league like maybe cleveland and golden state hate each other more than than rockets in, o- in oklahoma city but i mean these guys are at the top of the list if not second like they're they're like this rivalry goes deep deep like okay so that Patrick like Patrick Beverly accidentally injures Russell Westbrook in that first round and the and in the Thunder's Thunder fans heads that cost them a championship cuz th- that was theirs that year right like a lot of people felt like they were going to win it all that year and when Russell Westbrook went down you know their hopes went down at the title and it, and a lot of a lot of those guys they blame Patrick Beverly for that and Patrick Beverly was booed at every Oklahoma City arena uh since then, like they Oklahoma City, City fans can't stand Patrick Beverly. They hate him. Like I mean, if you remember the incident last year where a fan like basically like looked down upon him and cursed at him, right? You you remember that? Like where like it was like an owner son. Like like Patrick Beverly fell after a foul call, and like they're like one of the, one of the minority owner's son was like talking all this <laughs> to him, and like Patrick Beverly asked this guy to get escorted out of the arena, and then I think. I think Patrick Beverly was like one hit with the fine. Like, if you do, you guys remember this incident? Yeah, yeah, he he got hit with the fine for it. Right. So, f- Oklahoma City fans hate Patrick Beverly, and Patrick Beverly is the chosen son of the of Houston. Like, Rockets, <laughs> fan, Rockets fans love Patrick Beverly. They will defend him to no avail. They love Patrick Beverly even to this day. Uh, like he is the city. Like Patrick Beverly never has to pay for a drink in Houston. Like he's yeah, loved. He was him. Harden's bulldog, right? And so, like the the fact that Oklahoma City fans treated him this poorly, I feel like contributed this hate, this hatred, right? Okay, so so this last season is really where this started. Last summer is really where this started to pick up. So Kevin Durant leaves the Kevin Durant leaves Oklahoma City, and Russell Westbrook on on his own, right? And you know, at this point, Rockets fans didn't really care about the Thunder, but it's when it's when the the Thunder made all these trades and the, and they they got Victor Oladipo, 
and Steven Adams was talked about like he was the next coming of Shaq. Like, like people thought Oklahoma City was going to be a top four seed that year. And we have the receipts, man. Like, you can't deny this. People thought Oklahoma City was going to be really, really good that year. And the people thought the Rockets were going to be really, really trash that year. And this ultimately came down to this Harden versus Westbrook thing that came that Rockets fans felt and that, you know, Thunder fans felt. Like, that's, that's really where it came down. Like, each fan base thinks that their player is better than the other. Am I correct in that assessment? Oh, yeah, and they think it's obvious, too. Both right. bases think that their team's player is the true MVP of that season, and it wasn't particularly close. Yeah, that's that's absolutely like it, it's it's almost like each team has blinders for the other the other guy, or the, each fan base has blinders for the other guy, and and you know only points out the negative. Obviously, they're both incredible players. Right. Like uh, I think I think. Um, I think if you, if you had to choose from a hat between those two players, you wouldn't be ha- you wouldn't be disappointed at which player you got right in a draft, in a theoretical draft, right? Like the, these are top seven players in the NBA, both of them, and uh, and it's really hard to diminish the other one's talent. But I mean, at, at the same time, like this is where the blood feud started, man. Like people thought the Thunder were going to be better than the Rockets, and that's where the Rockets really started to get pissy about the Thunder. Like they they like every because. I think I felt like Rockets fans had a clear head about this. Like they thought the Thunder were going to be trash going into the next going into the next season, and the, and people thought the Rockets were going to be trash, and it that turned out to be the exact opposite, right? Like the Rockets ended up being really really good, and people underestimated how good how good of an offseason the Rockets actually had by picking up Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon, and that's where the narrative started really pissing off Rockets fans because. People started talking about Ryan Anderson and Eric Gordon as if they were like Hall of Famers. Like, th- like this, this was like amazing help that Harden was getting, like all NBA talent around him. And and people started talking about local Oklahoma City. Like, the people started talking about Victor Oladipo and Stephen Adams as if they were like nothing, like as if they were Bobby Brown. Like, the, the, that's how they started talking about. Uh, that's how they started talking about uh, the Thunder. To pump up to pump up Russell Westbrook's MVP case, and this really pissed off Rockets fans, man. This really, this dug deep. Yeah, and I think it was not helped at all by after a lot of pundits, a lot of them, and I don't need to bring up any no, of them. You know who they are. We have um, <laughs> Yeah, had had the Thunder over the Rockets going to la- going into last season. Some of them had the Wolves over the Rockets. Some of them had the Rockets winning fewer than 40 games last season. Mm-hmm. And, we, and Rockets pundits everywhere were sitting here saying, are you really sure about that? Are you really sure that you're not just like taking, like letting the, the bad season like to ha- have too much impact on your thinking? And then after suddenly the Rockets showed out in a huge way, uh, after the Thunder were better than Houston fans thought they were going to be, but not nearly as good as everyone else thought they were going to be, after basically all of all of this got proven correct, uh, it really felt like James Harden's one chance at winning an MVP got grabbed underneath him by a totally unpredictable scenario, like this total black swan scenario of, oh, Russ had a triple-double. And which was in large part engineered. I mean, like I am not going to say that Rockets fans were fair about it, but I think Rockets fans are justifiably uh, salty about a lot of things and feel like they get left by the wayside repeatedly. Yeah, what's the saying? Uh, Houston sports, something like that. Right. Um, <laughs> no, um, 
Yeah, I think that um, it's frustrating as a fan base to get so close on so many occasions, um, especially when the 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 guys that are winning are getting tons of media attention. You know, while Harden is doing damn near the same thing, um, and so I think that 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 certainly plays into the underdog um, feeling that that Rockets fans have, um, which then further feeds even even though you know Rockets media knew that they were going to be far and away better than the Thunder last year, um, you know it still it still felt like like the Rockets were the underdog in the situation just because of the the narrative coming into it. Of course, Kevin Durant, you know, decided to leave and go take his talents to the Bay. Um, so there was this, this narrative coming in already that Russell Westbrook was going to be the angriest man in the world. Oh, man. And, um, a- angry Russ pissed me off that summer. Like, yeah. Like, the, the the much like I'll admit I'll I'll cope to being visibly upset by how how people talked about angry Russ because the guy is pumped up just because he he snar he snarls basically like just because he makes faces during games like people love him like people soak like people suck that stuff up and I, I don't get it like it is like Harden is this emotionless bastard who just plays basketball at such a high level and such a high uh, inte- intellectual level that I that some of us still don't understand. And Russell Westbrook just just bulldozes everything. It's two di- totally different play styles and two totally different attitudes, which contributes to this this hatred, basically. Well, people like one and don't like the other one, and that's I think a big part of it. Uh, oh yeah, people don't like the Rockets in general in large part because they don't act like other teams. They don't have a bunch of a bunch of pretense. They don't have this real aggro spirit. They're very chill. And it comes from Harden and Maury. And all, honestly, now D'Antoni as well. All the leadership in the Rockets is very chill. Uh, they don't... I mean, they they clearly do have a killer instinct. They will stomp the, the life out of other teams. But they're not going to be snarling and screaming while they do it. You know, they're going to have their own fun. James Harden, as the soul of the team, is not, a, is not like a furious man. He does not lead with thunder and fury. He leads with cleverness and quickness, and people don't like that. They want to see Russell Westbrook go out there and be so righteously indignant that nothing can stand in his way. They want to see the conquering hero getting his revenge. They don't want to see someone figure out the rules, uh, figure out how to get in between them, and then uh, have his team just like take weird tactics to the extreme and win by being able by being ready to do things no one else was. That's not that's not sexy and exciting. It's it takes a particular type of person to like that. It doesn't feel like it's a victory. It doesn't feel like someone's overcoming something. It feels like someone's winning at a board game almost. So I I understand why James Harden doesn't resonate emotionally as much as Russell Westbrook does. I get it, but I also definitely get Houston fans being very frustrated that they were told in one season that their player does not get to have the MVP because his team is not good enough, and then being told two seasons later that their player cannot get the MVP because their team is too good. And that's that's a big root for why Rockets fans are pissed about this, right? Like you literally contradicted yourself within the span of two years. Like that—that's what the media did, right? And I understand the media pool got 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 totally switched this, 
uh, this last season, right? Like it, it was a lot more national guys uh, this season than it was last uh, two years ago, right? Like it was like before it used to be a, a whole bunch of local reporters, and then it became like a, they limited the pool to like a hundred people, and those were like they were really selective about it, and it usually get, it usually went to national guys, and so that voting pool was totally different. But a lot of those same guys that had votes two years ago completely changed their arguments, and that's where really a lot of yeah. that frustration cool. comes from. Um, yeah, and I get why it happened, but it still is absolutely going to be frustrating for the people having to listen to that argument. Right. It, 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 it's it's completely ludicrous. Like, I mean, to be honest, like it's just you you have to stay consistent with your theme of what this MVP award really is, right? Like you like otherwise, how the hell are we? How the hell is the media supposed to vote on it? If we don't know what is required to get that award. How do, how do we like how do you vote for that thing like like, like what what what's the criteria for that like we still don't know what what the what the term valuable means yet like it, that that's that's still in a debate we have year after year after year and the NBA intentionally does this because they know they like it being ambiguous they like it causing a lot of discussion and they and they like having the the MVP debates because it it's a big source of conversation and a big source of chatter and a big source of debate and that brings a lot of attention to the sport unfortunately it it, it frustrates the hell out of fans because we still don't know what that award means right and yeah the explanation we got for why he won the award and Harden didn't in 2014-15 still doesn't feel adequate and that's a big that's a big reason for that but let's go into this summer because the rivalry doesn't just end there because this summer the Rockets acquired Chris Paul and they were lauded as the team that was going after the Warriors like everybody was like yes the the Rock finally some team is going after this these this mighty Warriors team right and it's the Rockets it's Daryl Morey uh it and we had that that clip on SportsCenter playing on repeat about Daryl Moore calling this a weapons race, right? You're either in or you're on the sidelines, and then, and then immediately, like a week or two later, uh, July first, I think, the first day of free agency, the the player that the Rockets were going after, Paul George, goes to the Oklahoma City Thunder in a trade that really, really. It's it's still confusing to this day why the Pacers did that deal because it just felt like an ad, an inadequate amount for Paul George, uh, Victor Oladipo, and Sabonis, and you know the fact that the the Thunder were now getting in on this contendership tier, like like they felt they were good enough to even be on the Rockets level. Like I I'm I'm projecting now. Like I I feel like this is what the fan base thought, right? Like the fact that people thought, oh, OKC is even on our level as a team frustrated Rockets fans right and then and then they acquire the player that Rockets fans were pretty much like that the Rockets were pretty much right there they, they were they were so close to getting Carmelo Anthony and the, and the Oklahoma City Thunder came in and swooped him away and that really that really set the fuse off man that that that's yeah. that, that yeah. this team of all teams right like, them again <laughs> Like if he went to some other team, like I, I don't think any Rockets fans would care as much. But he went to the team that Rockets fans hate the most. Like this, this rivalry is deep, man. Like to, you can't just say it's about the MVP award because you you're not providing enough context to how no, deep there, this rivalry is. There was a sense, I think, during last year's playoffs after the Rockets beat the Thunder in five games that. While a lot of people might have said, oh, this just supports what we've been saying all along, Russ is the MVP, so on and so forth, it felt like it was settled. It felt like, okay, 
Well, for all the yelling about this, we don't have to worry the about Thunder anything. got smoked. We're done here, okay? Like right. we, you're not you're not a threat anymore. Like we don't need to keep litigating this. And then immediately they just acquire a bunch of talent and become a top tier team again. That you know, plenty of people are were, were picking above Houston immediately. Oh yeah, <laughs> se- second yeah. second year in a row. Second year in a row, people are picking Oklahoma City over over the Houston. Like and that's that pissed the hell out of that pissed the hell out of fans, man. Like you still see, you you still see Rockets fans comparing uh, the records of Oklahoma City and Houston night after night after night. Every time Oklahoma City loses, right? Like that that's that consistently a topic because again we have the receipts. Like you said, this team was going to be better than the Rockets, right? And um, this is the second summer in a row this happened, and this it, it, it's more fuel. It's more fuel. Go ahead, Taylor. Uh, well, I was just going to say that I think that um, there was a lot of a lot of people calling hypocrisy um, for Rockets fans and Rockets media, um, you know, clamoring for Carmelo Anthony, but then, you know, quote unquote, trashing him in Oklahoma City. And obviously part of that is the rivalry, but. I made the case that I thought it was more of a fit thing, right? So if if Carmelo comes to Houston, it's it's where he wants to go. It's where he said he wants to go. He's playing with Chris Paul, and he's accepted a role in his mind. He goes to Oklahoma City instead, which is something that he decides he's okay with last minute. He has a different mindset. He goes into that situation thinking probably that he's either the best or second best player on that team. And so far it has showed, um, you know, he's chucking up shots like everybody kind of expected that he would. And I think that part of that was due to kind of this scornful mindset, um, you know, that he probably would not have had with the Rockets because it's where he wanted to go in the first place. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's certainly part of the reason I think that the the Rockets are ahead of them currently and could more than likely finish ahead of them for the season. Um, you know, it it, it just kind of goes to show you that um, the the predictions, I guess, that that everybody had. Um, are not necessarily going to play out like like they think. You you don't just load talent on a team and then it, it works, um, especially when that talent all they all take twenty something shots a game, um, you know. So so I think that at the end of the season we'll kind of we'll kind of get maybe some just desserts from uh, from some of the national media that that decided to put the the thunder over the Rockets. But it's uh it's just one more thing to add to the rivalry. Yeah, and and to your point about uh, about Carmelo Anthony, I mean, I do think to a certain degree there is something to uh, to Rockets fans being excited to get Carmelo Anthony, and then having sour grapes once he doesn't come over. But I think the more uh, level-headed among Rockets punditry, as it were, had realized that Carmelo Anthony would be kind of a marginal upgrade over Ryan Anderson. And that it would be a slight raise to the ceiling, not some kind of a game changer. I'm right that here. That was always the plan. I'm right here. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So like when when you know when the same thing happens in Oklahoma City Thunder, and we're like oh you only think he's a slight upgrade, and a lot of us are like yeah we knew he would be a slight upgrade wherever he went. That was always the plan. So uh, and I want to disclose that like obviously I think the Thunder are a fantastic team. Uh, I honestly I don't really have any beef against any of the Thunder players. Like I actually don't like. The whole the whole annoying narrative situation was by no means like some something that Russ uh, did to the Rockets or something. Russell Westbrook's a fantastic player. I love watching him. Uh, I think the decision to go for the the triple double last year was honestly a very good decision on their part. However, I you know I, Rockets fans do find it very annoying. The point is to inform everybody out there of what Rockets fans think is annoying and why, and to explain this uh, this this hatred between teams that some people seem to be stumbling across anew lately. Right, like, like you can't just point to one singular thing. Like, that's my biggest... Like, if you're going to take anything away from this, just take this away. Like, it's not one thing. It's not the MVP. Like, that might be a big, big reason for this rivalry, right? But it, it didn't start there, man. This thing is, like, four or five years in the making. Like, since the James Harden trade. Like, the, it goes that far. Like, this thing has been developing for years and years and years. Rockets and Thunder games are extremely exciting, in in all honesty. They're so exciting because that heat and that that hate, that tension between the fan bases is there. And not only that, the games are good. Like, these these teams are right now extremely close. And um, I think the Thunder are actually kind of underperforming their point differential and they're underperforming their net rating. Like they're a lot better team than what they're doing right now than what they're, they're losing a lot of these coin flip games, but they're actually a lot better than this. Like the, I, I do think they're going to, they're going to end up being like a 50 plus one team at the end of this. But at, in the time being, the Rockets are the winning or franchise right now or, or the winning or team. And that that's something to note, and uh, that's something Rockets fans will keep on reminding you and reminding you, and to, until you regret taking that pick, until <laughs> until you regret putting the Thunder over the Rockets. But yeah, this thing is deep. Like the, that that's that's my biggest thing. Like you, you can't just point to one thing. Like this this thing has been festering for a long ass time, and uh, it, it's honestly great for the league. The fact that we have this bit of a bitter of a rivalry in the same conference, nonetheless, like not like Cavs Warriors, where you're only playing each other a couple of times per year. These guys are going to play each other a lot more frequent than that. They're probably going to end up playing each other in the playoffs, and it's going to be really fun, man. It's going to be really, really fun. Like it, it may be annoying as hell for Rockets fans, but for the rest of the league, like if you understand the context of this rivalry, this thing is going to be fun. Like it's just, it's just great for the league that we have this like that we have an actual rivalry in today's NBA. Yeah, rooting for another team to lose is a lot of fun. <laughs> right, it, it it is fun. It is really 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 fun. Like, um, I, I, a lot of Rockets fans are clamoring to play Thunder in the in the playoffs this year, right? Because like it, it would just be really really entertaining to see that team lose. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this, this, that's all I really wanted to say with this. I think we spend a lot more time on this topic than I thought we would, but I mean, it, we had some feelings, right? It's, it, it, it's a, it's a touchy subject, man. It's a touchy. And, um, it, this extends to both fan bases, both fan bases feel some sort of resentment towards the other for one reason or another. And, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun this year watching these teams finally play each other. And see their new incarnations uh, work out on the floor, and it's gonna be fun. It's gonna, be, it's great for the league. It's great for the league. Uh, it's, it's a great, it's great for the Rockets fans because I think the arena is gonna be packed during those games, 
um, unlike the other other games of the season. But I mean, yeah. Uh, so subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Uh, follow Forrest on Twitter at Do Not. Follow Taylor on Twitter at Taylor L Pate. Give us a good rating on iTunes if you enjoy the show. And uh, yeah, guys, good night. <laughs>